Welcome ladies to the online Bible study. This week we are looking at 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 22 through chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. Now here Peter continues to show us how to live holy lives. Now we were examined in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 22 to chapter 2 verses 2 that holy living demands purification. And then Peter will exhort us to practice holy living as we further look at verses 4 through 10 in chapter 2. So let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1 and let's read verses 22 to 25. It says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So here we see that believers are to love one another because they have purified their souls. Now this just means that the soul of a true believer is cleansed of sin. You remember last week we showed how your sins, past, present, and future, have already been forgiven at the cross. That Christ paid the price once and for all with his precious blood and that we should be a holy acceptable to God now. Now sometimes you would think that those who walk in hope and holiness would be able to walk in harmony. But this is not always true. As we all know, people are people, no matter if they are Christians or not. We all have a sin nature, and that's what gets in the way of walking in harmony. Now speaking of not walking in harmony, you know, I received a report this week that was a bit disturbing. Their latest news report said that there are five terrorist cell groups that have been operating in many of the churches today. They have been identified as been sleeping, been arguing, been fighting, been complaining, and been missing. Their leader, Lucifer, been working. Now, he has trained these groups to destroy the body of Christ. The plan is to come into church disguised as Christians and to work within the church to discourage, disrupt, and destroy. However, there have been reports of a sixth group, a tiny cell known by the name of Ben Prayan. Now, this is actually the only effective counterterrorism force in the church. Unlike other terrorist cells, the Ben Praying team does not blend in with whoever and whatever comes along. Ben Praying does whatever is needed to uplift and encourage the body of Christ. We have noticed that the Ben Praying cell group has different characteristics than the others. For instance, they have been watching. 
been waiting, been fasting, and been longing for their master, Jesus Christ, to return. There is no church that is exempt. However, you can spot them if you've been looking and been going. Well, this is just a little humor to get a point across that we need to watch these types of what they would consider terrorist groups and learn to walk in harmony. This happens every day. We have all these things, the complaining, the fighting, the arguing, going on trying to disrupt the unity in our churches today. Now as family, we should be able to get along. But just as our earthly families, you would think that blood is thicker than water. And that being a part of the same family, we would be able to get along and support each other. But we all know that that's not true. We all have family members that we simply do not get along with. So why do we think it will be any different with our spiritual family? We all have our own personalities and sin natures that we simply do not always live in harmony. Now in verse 22, Peter used two different words for love here. The first was Philadelphia, which is a brotherly love. And then he used agape, which is a godlike sacrificial love. Now as it shows in Romans 5.5, 5, God purified our souls and poured out his love into our hearts. This is an agape love. It reads, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Ladies, this is a constant power within our lives, poured out by the Holy Spirit. Not only is this love a spiritual love, but the scripture shows us that it is also a sincere love, meaning it is genuine, without pretension, hypocrisy, or play acting. We are not to pretend or act like we love each other, but ladies, we are to genuinely love one another, being sincere. And then lastly, in verse 22, the love is to be a fervent love. It says, love one another fervently with a pure heart. The love here is the agape love. And it is used in the aorist imperative mode. Now, that simply means that it is a command. Whenever you see it as an imperative, that is a command. Now, when you look at fervent, this is also an athletic term that means striving with all of one's energy. So we are commanded to strive with all of our energy to love one another. Love takes work, doesn't it? It's not a matter of feeling, but it is a matter of the will. We should love as God loves. God forgives us. So therefore, we should forgive others. God is kind. We should be kind to others. Ladies, the Spirit of God produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. 
As we see in Galatians 5:22 to 23 it lists those spirits. And what is the first one that they list? It is love. If we are filled with the word of God as it says in Colossians 3:16 and the spirit of God as we see in Ephesians 5:18, we will manifest the love of God in our daily experiences. Now as we continue in verses 23 to 25, Peter reiterates, as we saw back in verses 18 through 19 last week, that we are born again by the incorruptible seed, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Believers are to love one another because they have been born again by the word of God. The point is this, as a born again believer, God has put his incorruptible word into our hearts. And the very first word or commandment to the believers is to love one another. So therefore, we must love one another with a pure heart fervently. We must obey God. Let's turn in our, our Bibles to 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. And let's look what it says. It says, And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. That's that agape love. As he gave us this commandment. Peter continues on and contrasts the frailty of human nature with the enduring character of God's word by referring to Isaiah 40 verse 8, where it says the grass withers the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. The length of human life on earth is brief compared to eternity, right? Psalms 103, 15-16 says, As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. It is placed, remembers it no more. They are forgotten and unknown. But in contrast to a very temporary existence, the living Holy Word of God will endure forever. Let's look at Psalms 119 verse 89. It says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Life here is fraught with continual anxiety and uncertainty. But with the Almighty God, there is no change and no death, only eternal life and calm assurance. We are the family of God and are going to be living together forever. Therefore, we are to live and act like the family of God. We are to love one another with a pure heart fervently. Let's look now to chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Notice this verse starts off with, Therefore. In view of the transitory quality of human life and the permanence of the divine word, 
Peter here is exhorting believers to change their lifestyle. He lists five sins of attitude and speech, which, if harbored, would drive wedges between believers. Malice is wickedness. Deceit is craftiness, using devices, words, and actions to get what we want. Hypocrisy is play-acting. Jealousy is envy. And evil speaking is backbiting. We need to watch these attitudes. I have a short video that shows what happens when we show envy towards another person. When we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and we're trying to outdo the other person. Please watch. this was a humorous way of showing how it does not pay to try to be better than those around us. They ended up losing everything, didn't they? As children of God, we are to love one another and not try to outdo them. Peter exhorts us to get rid of these traits, to cast out these impure desires and motives. Instead, he exhorts us to feed on wholesome spiritual food that produces growth. Let's look at verse 2. It says, As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The word desire here is in the aorist imperative. Again, we are looking at a command. 
We are commanded to crave one thing, and that is the word of God. Peter exhorts us to be as eager for the nourishment of the word as babies are for milk. Now, he did not say that we are to act like babes, but are to be like babes in their desire of the craving for milk. We should desire God's word that produces growth. We should be growing spiritually every day. Too many believers crave the word here and there sporadically. Growth can only come as we live by the word day by day. The result of craving the word of God is a most wonderful promise. We taste that the Lord is gracious. Let's look at verse 3. It says, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Oh, God feeds us. He nourishes us and he nurtures us. He reveals and feeds our soul, teaching us all about his grace, his wonderful salvation, and promises to us. His word teaches us how to live pure and clean lives, how to conquer the temptations of life and how to walk through the trials of life. He teaches us all about the great salvation and promises that he has made to us. He teaches us all about himself and the Lord Jesus Christ and the glorious hope that we have living with the Lord forever and ever. He teaches us how to worship, how to praise and honor him as we walk in this corruptible world. Oh, God just takes his word. He feeds us, nourishes us, and nurtures us in his marvelous grace. And as we crave and yearn for his word, he grows us more and more into his image. Now we're going to see that the metaphor now changes. We're going into a different section here. We are now going from a growing child to a growing building of which Christ is the foundation stone. Peter now is going to exhort us to practice this holy living as we look at chapter 2 verses 4 through 10. To begin with, let's just read verses 4 to 6. Coming to him as to a living hope, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Ladies, this is a picture of the great house of God that he is building, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of the church, as we see in Ephesians 2.20. For it says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Verse 4 says, As you come to him. This does not refer to the initial response of a sinner who comes to Christ for salvation. The participle's tense and voice here in the Greek, which is the present passive middle participle, indicates that this coming is a personal, habitual approach. It is an intimate association of communion and fellowship between believers and their Lord. So the first step in practicing holiness is fellowship with Jesus Christ, the living stone. Here Peter used a unique figure of speech. Notice that in verse 3 of chapter 1, he referred to a living hope. And in chapter 1, verse 23, he is the living word. And then here we see in chapter 2, verse 4, he referred to Christ as the living stone. You get the picture here? He is living. He is not dead. Peter gave a full description of Jesus Christ, the stone. He is a living stone because he was raised from the dead in victory. He is the chosen stone of the Father. And he is precious. We have a picture here of Christ who is the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the supportive stone. And all the other stones are placed upon it and held up by it. When we turn to God and lay our lives upon the foundation stone of Christ, we become a part of God's spiritual house. We shall never die or waste away, but we shall live permanently forever and ever in God's spiritual and eternal home. We are identified with Christ, for he is the living stone, and we are like living stones, it says. As we become more like him, further conformed into his image, then we are being built into a spiritual house. Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16, 18, that on this rock I will build my church. Now as we see in 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 5, Peter clearly identified Christ as the rock on which his church is built. Christ is the cornerstone, the living rock. Verse 5 goes on to say that we are holy priesthood. Now in the Old Testament period, the priests born of the tribe of Levi were the only ones that could go into the Holy of Holies to represent the people. Today, we are all priests. The veil of the Holy of Holies was torn down when Christ was crucified and we now have the awesome privilege of coming to the presence of God 24-7. The priesthood of the believer is one of the greatest teachings of the scripture. 
Just imagine we stand before God as a priest, as one who has access to God's presence at any time of the day. Ladies, there is no reason whatsoever as to why we should ever be overcome by any problem or trouble in our life. We are in the house of God. We can approach Him anytime and receive whatever we need to meet the demands of life, whether it be wisdom, provision, resource, or strength. In verses 6 through 8, Peter quotes from the Old Testament. He quotes Isaiah 28, 16, where Christ is the chosen and precious cornerstone. We trust in Christ, don't we? As a building rest on its cornerstone. Peter's second quote is from the Psalms, Psalms 118.22, where he shows those who have rejected Christ the stone. And then his third quote is from Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14, where those who rejected Christ stumbled because of their disobedience. All who do not receive Christ as their Savior will one day face Christ as their judge, which will lead to eternal condemnation. Now Peter closed this portion of his letter with an encouragement, with a moving exhortation to practice holiness. Let's look at verses 9 through 10. It says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. He reminded them that in contrast with the disobedient who are destined for destruction, they were a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Then notice that the verse goes on to say that we are to proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now the word praises here could also be translated eminent qualities, excellencies, or virtues. Ladies, there is a lot of darkness in this world. And our lives should radiate this marvelous light into which God has graciously called us. His light should be shining through us and it will if we are walking in holiness. We belong to one family of God and share the same divine nature. Remember Peter was writing to five different cities within this providence. But we all have one family. No matter where we are in the world, we are under one family. Not different denominations, not different families. We are under one family and that is the family of God. 
We need to be an example to those around us and walk in harmony. When we as believers are walking in harmony, people see that. But think about when you are not walking in harmony. What kind of message is that leaving to a dark world? Jesus Christ is the center of this unity. And if we keep our focus on him, we will walk together. If we focus on ourselves, of course, what's going to happen? Yes, we will only cause division. Ladies, remember who you are. You are a child of the king. You belong to the sovereign majesty of the universe, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You can be in God's presence 24-7, day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. We walk and live in open communion with him. We need to have our lives reflected. We need to stop having disharmony within our family of God. And we need to make sure that we are not one of those that's causing disharmony but that we are trying to pursue harmony and loving one another. Now next week we are going to be continuing in chapter 2 of 1 Peter as we look and at verses 11 through 25. So until then, God bless. <music>